God, a long time ago, revealed to Adam and Eve, we know this because we can read it in Genesis chapter 3, a promise that he would both judge the serpent, who is the devil of old, and yet save sinful um, men and women through the seed of, of a woman, through uh, a male seed of a woman. That is the curse upon the serpent in Genesis 3.15 and following, which ends up being a blessing for mankind. So this promise of salvation was revealed very early in mankind's history. And then it was transition, uh, traditioned up until the time of Moses, and then he actually writes about it. But it actually was revealed way before Moses wrote. So you have people like Noah and Abraham and Sarah uh, and Abel that are in the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, without reading the Bible. They were believers in the Christ who was to come without reading Moses because they predated Moses, but they had the same, they had the, they had the knowledge of the promise. They had information from God that promised sinners salvation. And if you know uh, Christianity well enough, you know this, Christianity, historic Christianity, has always taught that Scripture teaches there's salvation by only one means, and that is the good news or gospel about Jesus Christ. So those before, those after Christ's coming are saved by virtue of what Christ did. But also, historic Christianity has said that this as well, before the incarnation, before the fullness of time when God sent forth his son, people before him were saved in virtue of what he would do. We are saved in virtue of what he has done. They were saved in virtue of what he would do. So nobody before the cross or after the cross goes to heaven because they're good enough. None of us are because we're sinners. They go to heaven. They go to glory by virtue of what Jesus was going to do for them or has already done uh, for them, depending on you know where you live. So that, that argues this, all believers of all time were saved by whom? By Christ. It's only one gospel. It's only one way of salvation. It is not by our works. It's by his work, works for us. It is not by his works for us and our works for him. It's by his works and his works alone. And the Bible teaches this in several places. Um, for instance, Hebrews 9.15, listen to these words. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant in order that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. So here we have the saving virtue of this new covenant, which was inaugurated by our Lord himself by virtue of his shed blood and death, the saving virtue of this new covenant is that by which all true believers were saved prior to, uh, prior to the formal inauguration of the new covenant. 
the people who died before the new covenant by virtue of the shedding of Christ's blood was inaugurated were saved in virtue of it nonetheless. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the writer for Hebrews says there's no more need for continual sacrifices because that to which all those sacrifices ultimately pointed has come. That which actually removes guilt from sinners has taken place, namely the death of Christ. So that the blood of bulls and goats, you know, that's in Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats cannot expiate sin, take away sins, that is, remove guilt and stain from us, but the blood of Christ can and does. The blood of bulls and goats can point to that, but it can't do what Christ does. So that we have to say this, the people under the blood of bulls and goats weren't saved by virtue of the blood of bulls and goats, just like we're not. They couldn't have been saved that way either. They had to be saved by the same instrument we're saved by, namely Christ, the Son of God, for us. It's impossible, as Hebrews says, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So those are just a couple places where Scripture is clear. Uh, There's other places, too. Consider this. Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Remember Jesus said that? He said that about Abraham. So if we're on the Bible timeline, and this is the Old Testament, and this is the New Testament, Jesus is here speaking about somebody way back there. Before Moses wrote the old, well, Genesis through Deuteronomy, okay? Before the Old Testament started to be written, Abraham rejoiced in the day that of Christ. He rejoiced in something that was going to take place in the future. Therefore, he must have had a promise from God that was about the future and an individual that would benefit him, save him. Abraham was a Christian before the incarnation. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, excuse me, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. That's Paul in Galatians. That kind of sounds weird. The scripture preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham? Or, Or maybe it's better to explain it. That which is contained in the scripture was actually revealed to Abraham before it was contained in scripture. Because Abraham predates scripture. But he was saved by virtue of that which now is contained in scripture or the promises that are contained in scripture. Abraham had messianic promises. Isaac had them and they believed in them. If you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote of me. Jesus said in John 4, Uh, 5.46, uh, you search the scriptures because you think 
that in them you have eternal life. And it is these Old Testament scriptures that bear witness of me. Jesus said that to the Pharisees in John 5.39. Now listen to that. Jesus says these scriptures, the Old Testament, bear witness of me. He's not... He doesn't mean by that, they now bear witness of me because I'm bearing witness that they bear witness of me. These scriptures are bearing witness of me. Or we could put it this way. They were bearing witness of me, Christ, before Christ said they were bearing witness of him. Right? Right? Yeah, this is important, by the way. The Old Testament is a messianic document prior to the incarnate Son of God telling us it's that. It doesn't become something new. Jesus doesn't make the Old Testament mean something new. He says here, you search the scriptures, you Pharisees, you false teachers, because you think that in them you have... Eternal life, in, in basically in doing what they do, in obeying them. And it is these that are bearing witness of me and were bearing witness of me before I told you they're bearing witness of me. You're in trouble. You missed the most important element of the Old Testament, the incarnation of the Son of God, the servant of promised in Isaiah, for instance, as a result of the anguish of his soul. He will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. So here is this servant song or oracle in Isaiah 53 talking about an individual in the future who's going to bear the iniquities of others and remove their guilt. So this is not an animal. This is not the blood of Bulls and goats that Isaiah talked about and Jesus and the New Testament writers claim that that was speaking about him. But Isaiah 53 isn't about him simply because the apostles and Jesus said it was about him. It was about him before the witness of Christ and the apostles to the meaning of the Old Testament. Now, I have a lot of other passages, but we're not going to go to them. The Bible is very clear. All believers of all time are saved by virtue of either the promise that he was to come or the fact that he has already come, and I believe what God says about him. All sinners were saved, are saved, who have been saved, who are saved, who will be saved, are all saved by virtue of the same Savior, Christ Jesus. So I have four things to contemplate. First of all, sinners were saved by virtue of the work of Christ prior to the incarnate mission, prior to the incarnate mission on earth. Um, I want to read a text to you. I think I've pointed this out before but I'll point it out again. Listen to Paul in 2 Timothy 3.15. He's talking about Timothy and that from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. You think he's talking about the New Testament or the Old Testament? 
99.9999999999% certain. He's talking about the Old Testament. From childhood, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Moses, which is in Christ Jesus. So let's, if we go back, Timothy was, I don't know, scholars think around 40 when he got these letters. So if he's 40, he's going 40 years back. So this is in the mid-20s, in the first century, probably. Maybe early 20s, depending on how the dates worked out. Which, by the way, those dates aren't in the Bible. Like God didn't tell us Jesus was born on this year. And so if scholars disagree, it's okay. It's not like they're disagreeing with the Bible. Okay, But it'd be around in the 20s at some point when... Paul is talking about Timothy as a child, okay? So at that point in Timothy's life as a child in the first century, in the mid-20s, early 20s, the scriptures of the Old Testament before the incarnation of the Son of God, before the writing of the Gospels, before the writing of all the epistles, were able to give wisdom that is unto salvation through faith in Christ. See, see what I'm trying to get at here? The... The scriptures of the Old Testament contained information that, that, that blessed by the Spirit of God generated faith in the Christ who was to come before Christ came. And before Christ said, oh, by the way, the Old Testament's about me. It was, the Old Testament was creating Christians prior to the incarnation. Second, uh, by the way, Sinners were saved by virtue of the work of Christ prior to the incarnate mission on earth. Um, Abraham, you know, no-brainer. Sarah, Moses, and a whole list of others. But a second contemplation is this. Sinners were saved by virtue of the work of Christ during his incarnate mission on earth. So while he was on the earth, some people who had the Old Testament scriptures and hadn't believed the messianic promise contained in it, believed in the messianic promise contained in it while he was on the earth. Other people, Gentiles, that didn't have scripture, um, they were proselytes, though. Forget that second thing. Let's concentrate on the Jews in the first century who had scripture but weren't, didn't have saving faith in the Messiah. Saving faith in the Messiah was born during his incarnate uh, time on earth. It seems like the disciples would be those kind of candidates, uh, probably Mary and Martha, Lazarus. Uh, some of these could have had true faith in the promised Messiah to come prior to them stumbling over Jesus. You know, we don't know. All, but we do know that some people who had the Old Testament, who had the knowledge of it, who hadn't believed in its messianic promise, properly, savingly, did so while our Lord walked the earth. Third, sinners have been saved by virtue of the work of Christ since his incarnate mission on earth. That's a profound observation, right? They were saved before, they were saved during, and they're saved after. We know this from the first century. Uh, Paul, for instance. Uh, How about our brothers and sisters who received the apostolic letters 
they were all saved uh, in virtue of the, uh, the incarnation, sufferings and glory of Christ. After the ascension, the gospel went out from Jerusalem, then Samaria, and then all the ends of the Roman uh, Empire at the time. The Romans, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, those are our brothers and sisters along with us, have been saved after the incarnation, sufferings, and glory of Christ. We all have the same object. We might be looking at it from a different vantage point than others were when they were on the earth. They were looking forward to it. Others were looking at it, and then we're looking back. But still, the same object of our faith is Christ and him crucified for us and for our salvation. And then the final contemplation is this. Christ is the only way to obtain forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. We would put it, we could add this, before, during, and after his incarnate mission on the earth. Christ is the only way, there's not another way, to obtain forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life before, during, and after his incarnate mission on the earth. Uh, There's no other name uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, except one name, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way to obtain forgiveness. You don't, you know, jump through hoops. You don't stop doing certain things and wrong things and start doing the right things, even if you could. No more sins, no more wrong things. You've got tons of guilt from the past that you can't just, it's just not gonna, guilt is the just liability to punishment because you violated God's law. You can't deal with your guilt in the past. Uh, and, and you can make all the pledges you want about the future. You're not going to be a goody two-shoes enough to get to heaven, to earn forgiveness to earn eternal life. We can't deal with our past guilt, our present guilt, or future guilt, and we can't obey in such a pristine kind of a clean way that we earn our merit, our own standing before God. We, everybody, all sinners need the same thing. They need somebody else to stand before God on their behalf. And that's what the mediator has done for us. So we should be thankful. We have brethren before the incarnation that we'll see in glory. We have brethren that were saved during our Lord's incarnate state who witnessed, eyewitnessed his earthly ministry. And we have, um, we hope, way, way more brethren this side of his entrance into glory and before his second coming. And may there be more Brothers and sisters born in our in our building in our families, and more um, brothers and sisters born in the future through our endeavors to invite people to come and hear the gospel, and 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 uh, and also our endeavors maybe to plant churches someday. It's hard for forty people to think about planting a church. It's doable. I've seen it done before. Never know. Maybe God will bless uh, to that end. Well, Jesus, that's all I've been trying to say. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise of that one who would crush the head of the serpent, being bruised while doing it, but delivering a death blow to the devil. And we thank you for the fruit of the work of Christ, not only for us, but in us as well. Because the fact that salvation has come to us and in us is a fruit of salvation accomplished for us. We are a fruit of the work of Christ while he was on the earth. We are an effect. We aren't a cause. We are recipients of grace. We are not earners of it. We receive the gift of eternal life. We don't work our way to it. But we do work. We work from our justification, not to it. We work from our salvation, not to it. Help us to to do more good works. Help us to love your law more. Bless your word more and more increasingly to the well-being and strength and fortification of our minds, of our hearts, of our souls. Cause us to grow in grace. May we not shrivel as we get older, but blossom, becoming a a full tree in, in bloom, more beautiful, more lovely, more godly, the closer we get to the grave. Grant us that. We don't want to... Uh, die bitter and angry. This is no way for true Christians to live or die. May we live and die happy in Jesus. And may you help us to that end. Bless the supper for those of us who have called upon the name of the Lord, who have been baptized, who are serious churchmen and churchwomen. Bless it. Uh, Any others, we pray that you would Open their eyes that they too might taste and see that the Lord is good as we have and join us in the waters of baptism and church membership and fellowship in the things of God. So blessed as we sing and as we partake, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.